And a lot of times when people search for postpartum, the thing that comes up is depression. And there's way more to postpartum than just mood disorders. So Courtney and I really try to normalize, first of all, what mood disorders are um, and that there's more than just postpartum depression. Uh, But we also talk about the other things that parents are going through. So it could be dealing with sleep. It could be dealing with choosing how they're feeding their baby or how they are diapering their baby and how they pick out um, a pediatric provider. So we like to hit on all of these things. Welcome to the Well Child Podcast, brought to you by two board-certified pediatricians, Dr. Anna Powell and Dr. Samira Arman, also known as the PD Pals, as we talk to you about topics involving raising well and happy children in today's challenging society. Please follow us on social media at the PD Pals or find us online at www.thepdpals.com. Hello, welcome to another episode of The Well Child. Today, we have an exciting episode ahead. We have two very, very special guests. Their names are Courtney and Katie. One is a doctor uh, specializing in OBGYN, and the other one is a certified nurse, midwife, and women's health nurse practitioner. And they are a wonderful team. We actually connected with them on Instagram, and they provide expert advice and evidence-based information to empower parents in achieving an understanding, support, and health in the postpartum period. So we're just honored to have them on our podcast. And we have so many questions for them because it's something that we deal with every day, new moms, new parents, and dealing with that very vulnerable time, the postpartum period. So thank you for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks for having us on. Thank you. We are taking care of the the little newborn, uh, but, you know, we're also there to support the moms and you guys do such a great job of that in the beginning because moms are going through a lot. Um, And so we definitely appreciate all the hard work that you put into taking care of moms. Um, But we just wanted to uh, kind of give you an opportunity to tell our listeners about you and um, kind of what brought you uh, into the social media and podcasting world. So Katie and I kind of got into the postpartum world because we noticed that in our practice, you know, even though we had both been through school and residency and um, all that stuff, we'd taken our boards, et cetera, et cetera. We still didn't really feel that the care for postpartum in the current system, especially in the United States, was sufficient for new parents because uh, even at the hospital, I mean, once the baby's born, they kind of just say like, here's your baby don't kill it, (laughs) but they're not like going to tell you all the secrets to life, you know? And, um, so that's why we started push and, um, push stands. Well, it's totally the, or sorry, the total title is called the push revolution, but push stands for postpartum understanding support and health. So it's the postpartum understanding support and health revolution. So we are trying to teach these new parents, the, the kind of ins and outs of postpartum that they're not going to get from mainstream medicine. Yeah, because I think what we're really finding out is that, you know, people love to Google. They love to be like, well, I'm not going to trust my provider on that. So I'm just going to look and then I'm going to, you know, spiral about it. And a lot of times when people search for postpartum, the thing that comes up is depression. And there's way more to postpartum than just mood disorders. So Courtney and I really try to normalize, first of all, what mood disorders are. 
and that there's more than just postpartum depression. Uh, but we also talk about the other things that parents are going through. So it could be dealing with sleep. It could be dealing with choosing how they're feeding their baby or how they are diapering their baby and how they pick out um, a pediatric provider. So we like to hit on all of these things um, so that we can bring awareness and let people find a spot that they can feel that they are getting good, solid information and that it isn't just some random 2am Google search. And we also try to keep things very broad. So we don't set, you know, we're not, we don't only talk about breastfeeding or chest feeding. We talk about formula. We talk about pumping. You know, we don't only talk about getting your tubes tied or something. We talk about lactational amenorrhea. We talk about OCPs. We talk about IUDs. You know, we talk about everything, all the changes. And um, so that you may not find that that is the right information for you. You don't like that method or you're not breastfeeding. You're going to formula feed and that's totally fine. But we offer information on all of it. So we try to be that kind of wide and and to piggyback on that, we have from day one been very inc- inclusive of all parents and trying to be very mindful of the language because not everybody is going to fit in a certain box. So we try really hard to be, like Courtney said, very broad um, so that we're not limiting the postpartum period to only, you know, straight women. Yes, yeah, cis women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And you guys both nailed it on the head. I loved hearing that. And I feel like our, your mission mirrors ours so well. We have exactly the same passion for kind of putting misinformation out and giving families and parents a good source of solid information that would be coming from professionals that do this for a living and that have education to back it up. So I know a lot of our listeners and a lot of probably your patients and people out there are hearing a lot about this fourth trimester. And that's a term that I know when I was in training actually was never used and it's become more popularized over the last decade. Can you tell our listeners what is the fourth trimester and what do you think this means for the future of your profession? Sure. So what's really interesting is I, I can, I can physically see my textbook from school on the fourth trimester and it's a paragraph long. Um, and so like, that's kind of where we're at in the world right now about how people just aren't aware of, of what it is, but basically in pregnancy, you've got the, the three trimesters, the fourth trimesters are the period of time after baby's born up to 12 weeks. Um, A lot of people think that the postpartum period is only up to six weeks, and that's not true, or that it's only up to 12 weeks. And again, that's not true. Um, I always joke that, you know, my baby's, my youngest baby is about to be five, and I still consider myself to be postpartum. I probably always will be. Um, But there's a lot of changes that take place during this fourth trimester, uh, you know, physically, emotionally financially. And so just trying to navigate in a world where there isn't a lot of information can be really, really challenging. I echo everything Katie said. I mean, our training is like, and then they have a baby. Go to the pediatrician. Is very different than like traditional OBGYN care, right? Like Courtney always talks about how you know, she is an expert in pathology, the expert in all of the crazy abnormal stuff. And thank goodness for that. I appreciate that about you so much. Um, And so in midwifery, we learn a lot about the normals. And one of the things that, you know, we try to encompass is the whole mind, body, spirit. We're looking at the person holistically. And so I think we do 
touch on that a lot more than most medical providers. But again, it's still so lacking. Yeah. yeah. So what a flaw in the system, right? Because what we see, you know, it's just so interesting to talk to you both. So what, what happens is you're right. People have a baby and then everyone's like, good luck, have a nice life. And then they come to us with their newborn. <laughs> and so we are, that's what we're trained for is the newborn, right? So we, we're like looking at the baby, but then inevitably your eyes drift to mom. You can tell mom's not doing so well. So much is going on. There's like a whole big fi- family dynamic. Everyone's exhausted. Her hair's falling out. She's got stretch marks. You know, she might mm-hmm. or might not be still bleeding or whatnot. Her incision might hurt. And then we're like, you know, human. So we'll say like, are you doing okay? Yeah. <laughs> and then they say no. And then we're stuck because we don't right. know what to do. And because that's not our training, you know, and Mm -hmm. so all we could do is just be humane and give them (laughs) before COVID, of course. But um, (laughs) then, you know, what we do is have you talked to your OB? That's Mm -hmm. what we say. Yeah. Do do they? I mean, what do they what do you guys feel? Do they come back to you? Sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's part of our. Yeah. That's part of why we did push, too, because we would see them come back at six weeks. And honestly, I think what I mean, I'm not saying like a specific scientific number here but i would say like maybe in training two percent of the people i delivered came back to their postpartum visit i mean like training programs are notoriously horrible for that so you not only are you not being taught and be a lecture but you're not being taught in the real world either when you see patients but i would say in real practice probably about 75 percent of people come back for their visits but they wait so they're like oh yeah i wanted to kill myself three weeks ago cool. Did you tell anybody? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, okay. Let's change that conversation. You know, like let's tell you when it is time to be worried. Let's tell you who to go and reach out to. Cause they will say like, well, I didn't know if it should be you or should I talk to my primary or maybe I should just get like, my grandma said, I'll just get over it. So I just tried to get over it, you know? And cause that's what the 1950s was told. Like, you're fine. Fuck it up. You'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, we want to kind of open that more so that people, I mean, you know, we don't presume to be anybody's Instagram doctor, but we want you to know that if you have this, you should talk to your own provider. Mm -hmm. The other thing too, that we really like, it seems crazy that Courtney and I are all about postpartum, but we spend a lot of time focusing on pregnancy as well. And we always say in order to get to there, we first have to go through pregnancy, right? So we do talk a lot about educating during that prenatal period so that they do know how do they get those resources? Who do they contact? Do they have Courtney's number on file so that they can say, I don't feel well today. This is going on instead of waiting four weeks out. So we, we try to start that conversation relatively early, um, with hopes that, you know, maybe people won't slip through the cracks and they won't have you know, terrible outcomes. Yeah. I, what I love what you said earlier about just being inclusive to all cultures, to all walks of life, to all orientations. I think that's really important right now is supporting women all around. Um, and so that's something that we 
really care about as well. But, you know, going back to what uh, Sammy was talking about earlier, when we have moms that come to us and they're exhausted and they don't know exactly how to navigate them, you know, off, often we'll give them resources that we have in our community where they can reach out to get mental health support or support from their OB-GYN. Uh, but what kinds of tips can you offer um, the moms listening to this on what to look for? What classifies, um, you know, what what red flags can they look for when they're trying to decide, is this truly depression? Is this postpartum blues? Is this normal? Is this not? What are the, your take takeaways that you usually stress? Yeah. So one of the things that I, that I try to hit with my patients right away is I talk about the difference between baby blues and depression. So baby blues is a relatively normal phenomenon that's going to occur within the first two weeks of, of postpartum. Um, if you think about what just happened to your body, you had this great big supply of hormones that was pulsating through your body for nine months. You deliver your baby, you deliver your placenta. That source of hormone is just it has crashed. And so it is pretty normal to feel a little funky to cry at the drop of a hat. I remember with my first baby watching, I always joke about it now, but like watching a TV commercial and just burst into tears and was thinking, Oh my gosh, I'm not an emotional person. What is this about? It's the baby blues. The thing about the blues is they go away. They go away pretty quickly. Um, you know, within that first two weeks of, of postpartum now things that persist past that, um, typically at about four weeks postpartum and anywhere up to a year and beyond. That's kind of a controversial thing right now saying that, you know, again, the postpartum depression is not to the past the 12 months, but it definitely can. Um, and people might feel, you know, not the classic signs of what you would think depression is. So maybe they do feel sad or maybe they feel blue, or maybe they're feeling this sense of, loss or not having as much joy, but sometimes postpartum depression can present as anger or, um, not sleeping or maybe sleeping too much. And so it can be really confusing to recognize it in yourself. And so I talk a lot about, you know, including the partner and talking to them about this could happen. If you see these things, please reach out right away. And, you know, you guys are a good team. So we want to make sure that you guys have each other's backs. And then the other piece that Courtney and I like to talk about is um, how partners can also struggle from mood disorders. And so really starting that conversation ahead of time. Um, so that's really about the, the blues and the depression. I don't know, Courtney, if you wanna talk about any of the others, cause there's quite a few of those that have red flags. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will, and to echo what you're saying, like I think that that part of the partners being uh, equally at risk uh, is very, very, very rarely talked about. And, you know, men or just partners in general, but specifically men will sometimes have anger be their main presenting sign of depression or irritability. And so, um, you know, if you see that in your partner, uh, definitely ask them or, you know, bring it up to um, their provider and uh, they sometimes need help too. And that's fine. Um, other signs um, other than mental um, that I can think of would be if you are going to have anything happen, it's going to probably be either an infection, a hemorrhage, or preeclampsia. And in the postpartum period, you're still at risk for preeclampsia up to six weeks. Mm -hmm. And preeclampsia is like toxemia of pregnancy where you have a lot of 
uh, high blood pressure and you can also have symptoms of, of organ failure. So you can have really bad headaches, you can have blurred vision, and then you can have right upper quadrant pain, like where your liver is because your liver can start being really affected. Um, and if these signs aren't, uh, taken care of or, or not investigated early enough, you can have a seizure called an eclamptic seizure. And so if you start having the worst headache of your life, blurred vision or right upper quadrant pain, sometimes that comes with nausea or vomiting, I would call your provider immediately um, because even though you're delivered, you're still at risk. Mm -hmm. And then uh, as far as bleeding goes, so there's this, so the, the, the baby was inside the uterus and then there's some space inside the uterus. And so once the placenta is delivered, that space does fill with blood. So you'll have um, spotting and bleeding, what we call lochia. Um, but you will kind of taper off. And then a few days later, or even up to a week or so, you might have some clots pass again and a little bit more tissue come out. And that's just that old blood usually coming out. But if you're bleeding through more than a pad an hour for more than four hours or passing clots as big as your fist or anything like that, definitely call your provider immediately because sometimes there's part of the placenta or the uh, amniotic sac that stays inside and that can lead to delayed hemorrhage. Um, and then the third thing would be infection because, you know, every part of our body that we have surgery or procedures on can become infected. And the same goes for inside the uterus because where the placenta was, was a huge wound and then the baby came out. So whether it came out via C-section or whether it came out via vaginal birth, the baby's still coming out and dragging kind of everything with it. And if you're having a C-section and you were in labor for a long time, you're a lot more at risk for uh, an infection. And so if you have really bad tenderness on your uterus, um, chills, fevers, nausea, vomiting, uh, you know, just not feeling right, uh, or foul, foul smelling discharge. Uh, those are definitely reasons to call your provider. You taught me something. I didn't know about the preeclampsia thing. So that means you could have preeclampsia, even if you didn't have it while you were mm -hmm. pregnant. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Just last week I admitted somebody, um, with severe preeclampsia, almost help and help is a different kind of syndrome. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit more advanced than uh, preeclampsia. Um, but she came in six days postpartum. She had a totally normal pregnancy, total normal delivery. Everything went home on day two, I believe, and came in with blood pressures of one eighties over a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> so I, we're, think, yeah. I, I tell people like, if you are seeking help, you know, in the emergency room, or maybe you're going to an urgent care, you're not seeing the provider that you saw for your pregnancy, tell them you just had a baby. Because mm -hmm. a lot of ERs will miss preeclampsia because they are like, they're not looking for that. They're like, well, you're not obviously pregnant right now. So I'm, that's not even in my head. Um, so that's definitely something people need to, to go home with that knowledge. Yeah. And that happened in this person too. They were like, maybe she has gallbladder issues. And I like, I was like, what's her blood pressure? And they were like 180. And I was like, get her on mag. Oh my God, get the blood pressure down. She has, she has preeclampsia. And they're like, no, I don't know. She's just not pregnant. And I was like, ah! <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it's, they just weren't uh, concerned. And I was like, no, this is a big deal. Like you must get this is how all these medicines. Die. <laughs> yeah. This is how people die. And that, that is completely true. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Hypertensive crisis uh, and bleeding are the top two reasons to end up in the ICU in pregnancy. And um, it used to be that those were the two reasons that you died the most, but unfortunately it's changed to uh, cardiovascular. So mm -hmm. uh, postpartum cardiomyopathy and stuff like that, or um, valvular disorders, cardiac disorders that you didn't know you had until they presented in pregnancy. 
Yeah. So if it wasn't uh, hard enough to have a baby. You're emotionally the number one cause of mm-hmm. discover all kinds of things about yourself when you have kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that. one thing that I thought maybe you could help for our um, listeners, you mentioned the infection part, and I thought that was really interesting. And you're talking about like not feeling well, chills and things like that. How would a new mom discern between that and mastitis? Because those uh, there's some overlapping symptoms there. And how would they know? Because yeah. mastitis typically doesn't is not like an urgent situation. So how do you how would you tell them? Sure, sure. So well, and a fever can be many things. Too. Like not just those two, but go ahead. Right. Now we're with COVID, right? So like people are like, do I have COVID? <laughs> yeah, that too. Do I have mastitis? Yeah. It can be very, very confusing. I, um, I, I treat mastitis quite a lot in my practice. Um, I have personally had it with every single one of my babies postpartum. You feel like absolute garbage. Yeah. When you have it. Um, so true. you do, you feel like you've gotten like the worst flu that just comes out of nowhere. You get a temperature, you get kind of achy and chills and you're a headache. That's like, what the heck is this? And then your boob is on fire and it doesn't make sense. I'll never forget the first time I had it. And I was just like, what is wrong with me? And, and, uh, my mom was like, do you think maybe you need to call your, your OBGYN to like talk about this? I was like, no, this has to be normal, but it is not. Um, so that, you know, the, the whole body symptoms can be very hard. If you can pinpoint, am I feeling it on one breast? Um, or am I feeling it on my abdomen? So it's really, or my uterus, I should say, it's really frustrating postpartum to be like having this hypothetical question as your uterus is cramping. And to be like, oh, okay, so is this going to be worse than the cramps that I'm feeling? And it's definitely different. Um, people who have had a baby get their uterus massaged immediately postpartum to help control any bleeding. Um, and they almost will never forget that feeling in the immediate postpartum period of like, oh, and that's kind of like that infection feels like that. Like you don't want anybody touching your belly. Yeah. And I would say that another thing to look out for would be blood clots because sometimes you can have clots that cause fever too. Um, so that's why we want every person who's given birth, no matter how you've given birth, uh, you know, unless you have very extenuating circumstances, like you're in the ICU uh, or on magnesium because you have severe preeclampsia, you should be walking immediately. Like as soon as you're, if you had an epidural, as soon as your legs are unnumb, got to go for a walk because that will help a lot in treating and prevent it or not treating, but preventing, um, blood clots for sure. You're talking about blood clots in your legs, not oh, yeah, in your legs. Sorry. Yeah. I always get that. That's such a good tip. That's really, really <laughs> helpful information. You guys are awesome. Um, I, I was just curious, I don't know if this, uh, question applies, but, uh, are there any different complications that you see besides incision with, with a C-section, any other complications and, and how long out should moms be really concerned for some of these uh, complications in the postpartum period? Is there a certain kind of time where after this point, they shouldn't have to look out for these things? Or I didn't know if there was a... Um, well, time. for a C-section, the risk of infection is higher, especially if you've labored and have had ruptured uh, amniotic sac or ruptured waters. Um so some people will give an extra antibiotic during the um, procedure. So normally we give something called ANSEF, but sometimes they'll give um, azithromycin as well uh, because of that for the vaginal flora that might be up there or just being introduced by the checks and pushing and all that type of stuff. 
Um, so that's an independent risk factor for endometritis, which is the infection of the uterus. Um, but, uh, I would say that I get people asking about their C-section incision scars, like even years later. So I think that it's like, there's like acute issues and chronic issues, you know, and for the acute stuff, like the, is my incision infected? Am I bleeding? That type of stuff is more like in the first six weeks, but you can still have cesarean pain or nerve entrapment because of the suturing or, um, the, the fascial incision, like kind of inside your abdomen. Like when you push in your abdomen and it, you can like tighten your abs, like that layer, um, can be painful forever if, if left unattended. So if you're past the six weeks and you're still having a lot of pain, don't let that be something to hold you back you know, ask your provider about it because a lot of times pelvic, uh, floor physical therapists are very educated in, um, resolving scar tissue and, um, helping to mobilize your scar and stuff like that. Um, and it's just because you're past the six weeks doesn't mean that you're like, you know, that's it. That's most of my life, you know? <laughs> um, so those type of long-term complications are still treatable even after the six weeks. Well, that's awesome. Well, I feel like we could talk to you guys forever, but um, in the interest of time, we'll start to slowly wrap it up. Is there anything else you guys want new moms to know or our audience to know? Anything final words of wisdom? Um, I think it's really important. You know, we, t- we hit a little bit about preparing during pregnancy for the postpartum period, so it doesn't take you by surprise. So Courtney and I, I um, we have our social media and our website, but on our website, we have um, some really great resources some free resources on how you can prepare and how you can um, get your, we call them creating your circles so that you can find people that fit within these circles so that when you are postpartum and perhaps you might be struggling a little bit that you are not, you know, pulling hairs to get the help that you need, because that can be half the battle right there is to you know, try to find somebody when you're struggling. So if you can prepare before, highly recommend doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, if you're feeling like you can't even get out of bed, good luck finding a therapist that, that works with your insurance who has availability tomorrow. <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah. So where awesome. can our uh, audience find you guys? Uh, we have several avenues. Our website is www.postpartumpush.com. Uh, and that's where we have our blogs. We have um, links to our podcast and then um, the freebies. And then we will also be having a complete postpartum course as well coming out soon. Uh, we're in the process of making that. So, uh, And then on uh, Facebook, you can search The Push Revolution on Instagram, postpartum.push. And um, our podcast is The Push Revolution Podcast. And that's on uh, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us. You guys were a wealth of information and hopefully we can chat again in the future. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any other agency, hospital, organization, employer, or company. Assumptions made in the analysis are not reflective of the position of any entity other than the participants. The participants are critically thinking human beings. Therefore, these views are always subject to change, revision, reconsideration, and recalculation at any time.
This podcast collaboration makes no warranties or representations as to accuracy, completeness, correctness, suitability, or validity of any information, communication, exchange, and the participants will not be liable for any errors, omissions, or delays in this information, or any losses, injuries, or damages arising from its broadcast dissemination or use. All information is provided on an as-is basis. It is the communication recipient's responsibility to verify any fact.